Hello and welcome to the Level Playing Field podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I am the Fan Liaison Officer at the disability sporting charity Level Playing Field. And you are listening to a Unite for Access podcast special. For those of you who don't know, Unite for Access is a new national campaign by Level Playing Field taking place between February 25th till the 12th of March. And during that period, we celebrate access and inclusion for all disabled loving sports fans. And on this special episode, I'm speaking to the people behind the award-winning TWS Sports Podcast, Tom, Alicia and Adam. So Tom and Alicia are co-presenters of the award-winning podcast and both have autism and Adam is one of their teachers. A few weeks back, they attended a match day at Wolves using the club's sensory room. So I jumped in the car and joined them at school to talk sport, Unite for Access and their experience of using the Wolves sensory room. We are at well, we're not actually at Technolwood School, yeah. but we're at the uh, the the satellite site school. In front of me are two presenters of the award-winning TWS Sports Podcast, a podcast that we'll talk about in a moment. But I'm I'm here to talk about attending live sport at level playing field and the Unite for Access campaign. But first, Adam, can you tell me a little bit about the school? Yes, so the school is it's a technology school, which is a school for autistic children and young adults uh, from ages 4 to 19. As you mentioned, we have two sites. So the main site, the Technowood, Wood, which um, is, has the majority of our students. And then we also have a base at Aldersley High School, where we are, are right now. So some of our students um, attend Aldersley High School and have their own sort of hub over here and will attend mainstream lessons and mainstream, um, some of the mainstream curriculum. It's a fantastic school. I've been here now for a few years and all the staff and students are incredible students and staff and it's um, a fantastic place to be every day is completely different all the students are very unique and have their own characteristics and um, are amazing in their own ways Alicia can you tell me about why you like sport and why you decided to do a podcast well I chose to join the podcast because I'm actually the first female presenter okay yeah Check through the history, right? And until May, the other, the, the the two, the two or three presenters were all guys. Tom, what made you want to get into doing a sports podcast, and what is it that you enjoy about watching sport? Well, um, I grew up watching sport, and then over the years, it grew up on me. But the other side of why I was grateful to join the podcast was not only for social equality, but for also for a more awareness of autism. And do you both go and watch live sport? Do you have a football club or a rugby club or a cricket club that you go and watch? I do occasionally. It's a very rare when I do go to sporting events, but if I get the chance, I do. And the only sports I've ever seen live was a few, a few years ago. I went to see um, Bridge North Rugby Club play at a stadium once. And then I've also been to two Wolves matches. Any yourself, Alicia? Actually, the, the the football match between Wolves and Liverpool was my first ever live live sports watch thing. It's also the first time I've ever watched any sport. That came about because of Laura Wright at Wolves, who is the disability liaison officer. Can you tell me about your relationship with, with Wolves? Yes, so as the, the students mentioned, we went to watch Wolves-Liverpool in the FA Cup. Um, sadly, Wolves lost. But yeah, we... Um, came about actually as well through the Whistle Foundation who are also a foundation in Wolves who support children and young people with disabilities and, and their families so they got in contact with us and asked if we wanted to get in touch with Laura and, and go to the stadium 
Uh, Wolves, the Molyneux is a fantastic stadium with a sensory room. So it has um, a, if you're not aware of sensory rooms, it's kind of a, it's a, a room which is the noise is reduced, the lighting is reduced. Because as we all know at, at sporting events, the crowd can be really, really loud. And one of the things autistic individuals find difficult is noise and, and sound sensitivity. So we were, law was fantastic and we were in the sensory room. It was um, Tom and Lissa, the parents and myself and we watched the game from a, a, a nice, safe area. We had a fantastic view, right in the middle of the Liverpool fans, which was very noisy. But because we were in the sensory room, the noise was reduced. And I think that ha- really helped Tom and Alyssa to, to watch the game. The light, it was a night game, so all the lights were on. But the lights in the in the room were dimmed and, and, and not as bright as they w- normally would be. So I think that really helped. And I know from speaking to Laura, speaking to another, other fans who used, who used the room, without that room, they would not be able to go watch sport. Because um, just being in the middle of 30, 40, 50,000 people would just be too much, massive sensory overload for the students. Um, similar to my, my brother's autistic, and um, we're hoping to use that room again with him. Because um, without that room and without facilities like this, my brother, Tom, and Alyssa, and other students with autism would never be able to access any sport. So, what Wolves are doing, and the Molyneux are doing, and Law is doing, and the Whistle Foundation are doing is incredible, and it means that children and adults with autism and other needs can can access sport and so Alyssa, it was your first time going when when you were told you're going to go to watch wolves versus liverpool what how did you feel um i was actually given the choice whether or not i wanted to go and i chose for the just for the sake of experimentation and for the fact that that if 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 one podcast presenter is going makes sense if the other one goes goes i decided to go it was freezing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you... We were in the rooms, it was nice and warm. Yeah. But walking to the stadium was very cold, wasn't it? Yes. But we were nice and warm while watching I the feel like an ice cube waiting for you and Tom. <laughs> and Tom, how did you find it, yeah, be, being told that you were going to go to a game and then finding out that it was going to be a room that was going to assist you to, to enjoy the, the football? Well, I was just, like, really glad to get the opportunity to go because, like, I haven't gone to one in a while and it's just, like... It's good to have these opportunities, and I especially just enjoyed the chance to see a match like in person again, instead of watching on TV or like the highlights on YouTube. So I was really grateful for that. And if the club didn't have that sensory room, and you were told you were going to go watch Liverpool versus Wolves, how would you feel? Um, I'd be fifty-fifty. Like I'm, I'm still glad that I got the sensory room because it's more of like a more calm experience. Like you still get the the noise of the crowd but it's like not 10 times as loud as it is when you're out there and because it can be like for a lot of people can be like fine and luckily i'm on a bit more aware of like loud loud crowds because i'm used to that but i can imagine if i was younger i went to that i'd probably be a bit more overwhelmed so i can kind of relate to like people who do have autism that get overwhelmed with like big and loud crowds like that and do you think that having that sensory room is is allowing more people who might have neurodiverge um, challenges be able to attend live sport? Yeah, I'd say so because, like, especially because of like how it kind of like doesn't make it as loud, it can kind of like make them experience it more without being like unnerved or agitated. And Alicia, do you think more needs to be done to 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 encourage disabled sports fans to go and watch live football or or sport in general? Yes, we are getting there, but it's rather it's a rather slow move thing. Although last time we were there, I remember the what was she again? 
Laura was actually trying to to convince, I think, the owner of the stadium to give her another box that was next door to turn into another sensory box. For you, Adam, how important are these rooms? And and, and like, because as as Alicia kind of hinted at there, they, these rooms are essentially boxes that can generate money, but are being converted into useful tools for to encourage more disabled supporters to come and watch live sport. I mean. Do you understand the battles between trying to get ownership to convert those rooms rooms into something that's more accessible for for more supporters? Yeah, definitely. And, and from a lot of people' point of, point of view, and a big factor in in, in football and all sports is, is money. And I know these hospitality boxes and and boxes bring a lot of money. Um, you get lots of people there, lots of meals, and probably bringing thousands of pounds per game. Whereas having a sensory room, lots of it is free of charge for for special needs student children. So yeah, the clubs aren't going to make as much money, but also for the community and for the wider community, people like Tom and Alyssa and my brother and other other children in the city would never access sport. So I understand the difficulty of, of clubs, and but I think if all clubs could just maybe have one room, it just means that one or two or three extra people get to watch the, watch sport. As Alyssa says, the first time she's ever been to any live sports event, and without what Mullen you do, she you probably would never have attended any sporting event still. So I understand the, the difficulties clubs have, but I think if, if all clubs maybe at least had one sensory room or one hospitality box, even though it doesn't have, doesn't have to be a sensory room where there's nice lights and bubble tubes and all that, just a hospitality box, because naturally being indoors in a room, the, the noise is going to be reduced. Um, but that room can be solely for people with special needs and additional needs. Even that would really help. So the noise would be reduced, the lighting would be reduced, um, the atmosphere would be reduced. So it's... um. I think it's something that more clubs are doing. I'm seeing. I think West Brom have just opened one um, not long ago. So I know a lot of Premier League club, clubs have it, but it'd be nicer if if more clubs lower down the leagues and cricket teams, football, rugby teams, ho- hockey, netball, all sports could um, find some way to make it more accessible for all all special needs. So the reason that we're talking today is because Level Playing Field are um, currently in the middle of our Unite for Access campaign, and it's about celebrating access and inclusion for disabled sports fans. But it's also to highlight uh, issues where perhaps things do need to be improved. I'll ask Adam first, and then I'll come to both of you. But wh- where do you think improvements do need to be made to, to make sport more accessible for disabled supporters? I think from an autism point of view, Again, we've mentioned this, these sensory rooms and things like that. And also, I know lots of clubs have um, family areas and stadiums, which are, which are beneficial. So my brother is a Shrewsbury fan. So we can watch Shrewsbury in the family section, which is, again, a lot more quieter. And they haven't got a sensory room that I'm aware of. But he copes very well in the sort of family section and, and reduced crowd in that area. Um, but also, I also know of um, an app called Picture Path, um, which is a app to support sports fans who are going to stadiums and on the app you for example you're going to Old Trafford for the first time you can go on the app you can see the stadium you can see the seats you can see the route you're going to take from the train station you can it's all visual you can see before you go because again one of the things with autism is they're very visual learners so you have to see see where you're going before you actually go um, so to have that routine of right this is where we're going to park this is where we're going to the route to the stadium this is where we're going to get our chips for the game this is where we're going to go to the toilet so you can see all that on this app, which is fantastic. Um, because again, two of the things that autistic individuals find difficult is change and um, the lack of visual visual cues. So going to a, a massive football stadium is a huge change for, for people. So to have that app where you can see, watch videos, 
and kind of know roughly where you're going to go is a, is a huge thing. So a fantastic app that I use, and I know some of our students use. Things like that, and um, stadiums, stadiums or clubs are send, sending out an email with photos of, of different parts of the ground or something like that can really help. Um, so making it more visual. When we went to Wolves, when we went into the room, there was lots of visuals, there was lots of communication symbols, there was Makaton symbols. Um, you all were given packs, weren't you, I think? You had music. Tom had... What's your pack? It was one of Fire Engines, and I think a family you had. I remember there was also, like, still Makaton stuff. Yeah, it? and there's lots of Makaton, so there were symbols and signs of what, what we could expect and where to get our food and drinks. Um, so I think it's been more aware of little things like that can really help. And, and what, what about you, Tom? What, where, where do you think sport could make improvements for yourself to, go, to be able to go and watch more live sport? I'd say, like, I can still relate to, like, Adam on this one because, like, I I still think, like, more sports need, like, century rooms as well because, like, um, I'm not too sure if rugby has some, like, certain stadiums. I think they probably do. Yeah, I'd just say, like, more in engagement to, like, help autistic people or people who have um, friends that are also autistic. And Alicia, do you think people, non-disabled people, understand disability a lot more? Or do you think there's still a lot more to, to that, that needs to be done to, to educate? Um, we are slowly getting there, but I, I do think people have much more rooms for improvement. I mean, there's always a chance that someone might accidentally do something that will pretty much upset someone like with with minds that so kind of like are similar to ours. We have a saying at Level Playing Field where that's if you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, meaning that everyone is is individual regarding when we talk about autism so there might be people listening now who who might want to do something to uh, make a match day more accessible for for autistic fans what advice would you give to them it's true everyone has different autism but there are some common factors that all autistic kid people share like noise lights symbols like some people have trouble communicating and the size of the crowd like I get, tr- I have a few trouble with too many people. I start to get all nervous, and because because um, I'm more of a, I'm more wary of getting lost because my mind easily distract gets itself distracted. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, for for you, Adam, how important are campaigns like the Unite for Access campaign? Yeah, it's massive, and um, the publicity you're getting. Um, is fantastic and I think without campaigns like this then without sounding negative people just won't be aware of if, you, if, you, if you've never experienced a family member who's autistic or has any special needs then I suppose you're not going to be aware of it and that's not down to a lack of their knowledge I suppose it's, it's just because they've never experienced it there's, they are unaware of it so the um, United Fire Access campaign is, is fantastic in bringing awareness to, to sport and to fans and families Um making sport more accessible for, for everyone. Um, and it's also a massive impact on the family. So, for example, um, Tom Tom went and Tom's dad came and experienced a football event with Tom for the first time. Um, again, I know, back to my brother, we go as a family and we would never have that experience of going with him um, if it wasn't for campaigns like yourself. I've been to millions of football matches, but actually to take him to a football match is incredible. I know Alyssa's mum said the same. Alyssa's, Alyssa, your mum would have never have gone to a football match with you if it wasn't for the Whistle Foundation and 
campaigns like you know for night for access so yeah it's incredible and i think it's just bringing awareness to um people in the uk tom for you how important was it what what benefits do you get from attending live sport i mean adam spoke about going with your family i mean how did that feel well i, I think it felt great because like it i think personally whether i went with my mum or my dad i wouldn't have minded because i still would have enjoyed either way and i'm also like to go to social events any anyway like whether it's sport or non-sport because like not only is it so i can um cope better in in like societal areas but also so i could just like experience like big events because I, f- I find it really enjoyable to like experience events in person and alicia why is it important for you to be able to experience those those kind of i were there moments with your family i guess it allows me to see side my pet my family that i normally don't because because i don't like getting outside often so if it, so, because of, because of that, when I do when I do get when I am able to go outside with my parents, my parents or my sisters, I kind of see a side of them I usually don't in the house. So, tell me a little bit about your award-winning podcast, the TWS Sports Podcast. Like, how, what's it about, and how did it come about? Well, it started during the I don't want to say its name. I think everyone knows. I understand what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Adam and Sarah, they decided that that it helped if we had a podcast. And Tom here was there from the beginning. So, to, so if you want more background information, I'd ask him. So I think we started from May, was it? May or April? Yes, yes. We rather than this. So this is recently joined the podcast. Um, so t- at the start, it was Tom and another student called Tom. We started in May 21. So yeah, it came about. So Sarah is our head teacher. And we had a discussion about how we can make the curriculum and learning different for our students. And I'll say at the dreaded lockdown, I think everyone was listening to more podcasts. And that's when I started to listen to podcasts. And I went to the head teacher and I said, well, why, don't we, why don't we do a podcast? Never thinking it would turn into the podcast it is now. We... Um, Settled on sport. I got massive love of sport. I know some of the students who needed the support have an interest in sport as well. So we decided let's try a sports podcast, which the students would host. Um, I was lucky enough to know a few local footballers from Wolves, so I thought, well, let's let's do a sports podcast. Thinking this is going to die out after a few ter- after a term when nobody we can't contact anyone. But I think after three or four episodes. The guests then shared it on their Twitter and their social media and it grew and people started listening and the guests would pass on, oh, here's my ex-teammate's number and it quickly, quickly grew. And um, yeah, it's now grown into a, a kind of a worldwide podcast. We have listeners from all around the world. As you mentioned, we won a sports podcast award uh, last year, so 2022. We've been nominated again this year for the award again for the second year in a row, um, which I think we'll find out in May if we've won it. But yeah, it's, it's very quickly grown and we've had a number of students, I think six or seven hosts of the podcast. And um, so yeah, it's quickly grown and I say Tom's been for the very start, so hopefully Tom can add a bit more. Um, I've always like, when going back to like the nostalgic days of the first season, it's true because like um, a lot has changed throughout throughout the like seasons and I'm, I'm glad that we've had like so many variety of different guests, like even some that I've actually had experience with either disabilities or autism um and not only that but we've got like a variety of different people in sport and that's what i'm grateful for 
and um yeah i just like each episode i'm enjoying it more and more so i've got a list of the people that you've spoken to here you got joe hart harry redknapp nasin uh, hussein mick foley sir clive woodward and my hometown personal favorite carl froch i'm, an, I'm a nottingham lad sir so forest fan as well when you're talking to to the, your guests are you also talking about your own autism to them and explaining to them regarding autism or, or is it all solely focused on them well normally what we do is is we, we first kick off with like questions involving them and then sometimes if we're lucky enough they ask us questions and then also we get like like almost in the end of the episode we also add like take on autism or like if if they've known any people to do with autism or we put our take of like our experiences with autism in the episodes as well excellent so we we're going to wrap up now but have you got any final thoughts about um what what should be done about attending life sport all i mean is is just like we mentioned earlier just like more awareness for for autistic people and just like um just help out as the best we can like um again with like macaton etc or like uh, I've noticed that not only sports do it now, but also like concerts and stuff where it's like uh, uh, like headphones where like for like if people get like sensory overload. So, yeah, I, I, I'm glad to see that that uh, more is starting to be done for autism awareness in sport. Any final thoughts from you, Liz? Yeah, we are. We're getting we're 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 doing well so far in the world of sports, but there's always room for improvement. Yeah, agree with what the student said. So it's it's definitely improving. I think one of the big things as well would be training to to staff at the stadiums and and the sporting events. So raising people's knowledge knowledge of sport um, of autism. So for example, I know the stewards, the catering staff, and everybody at the stadiums and these events. If they had even had a knowledge of of autism or ADHD or other other needs, then that would also help. Um, but it's definitely improving. I think it's still a long way to go. I think football. Football's making good inroads in, into making it more accessible for, for all. But obviously we've got lots of um, other sports we're hoping to attend a boxing event soon, which I haven't told the students about. Um, so I don't think that will have the, the same experience as, as football. Um, but we're hopefully going to speak to the venue and, and see how that is. And um, I'll let you know how we get on watching a, a boxing event. <laughs> well, please do. And um, the link to the podcast will be in the episode description of of this podcast um but thank you so much for both your time well and and you i don't i kind of ignored you there <laughs> but uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, sporting season thank you very much Bye.